0: Good morning, church. It's so great to be together again. I trust that you've been practicing hearing from God and that he's spoken to you this past week. We will have opportunity after this message and the worship for some of you to share what God has been saying to you. Today, I'm carrying on with the series on the book of Acts, Two weeks ago, I looked at Acts chapter 7 and the account of Stephen. I spoke about his appearance before the Sanhedrin, his amazing recounting of their history as Jews, his rebuke of the Sanhedrin over the death of Jesus, and then his death to become the first Christian martyr. Today, we move on to chapter 8. And once again, we're not going to read the whole chapter, as we do not have the time, but I will be highlighting certain verses. There are three things I want us to take out of this chapter, which I'll get to after some opening thoughts. In chapter 8, we see the beginning of the fulfillment of the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples before ascending to heaven, as recorded by Dr. Luke in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They did, and he did, on the day of Pentecost. And with that, the church exploded from 120 people to over 3,000 in one day, and people were being added to the church daily thereafter because of the signs and wonders performed by the apostles in Jerusalem. But the church was primarily in Jerusalem, and it was time to take it beyond the walls of the city into the rest of the places Jesus told them to go and be witnesses. Stephen, being martyred, opened the floodgates of persecution upon the church in Jerusalem. We read in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was there, giving approval, To his death, speaking of Stephen's death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I'm going to read that verse again, and I ask you to pay close attention to the last part of the second sentence Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and, here it comes, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Stephen being martyred opened the floodgates of persecution upon the church in Jerusalem, and a church of thousands is scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, leaving only the twelve apostles behind. A mega church becomes a connect group, thousands become a dozen. In a matter of days did God bring about this persecution because the church had not gone to the areas that Jesus told his disciples to go to or was it once again the enemy the devil making another mistake and trying to destroy the church by attacking it just like he tried to destroy Jesus by killing him wisdom is obviously not one of the devil's strong points at present we are facing a similar situation with COVID-19. Did God cause it, or is it the work of the enemy, the devil, trying to kill people and shut the church down? After all, that is his nature, according to John 10:10, 10, 10, where it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now I believe it is the latter, but like we will see in Acts 8. The church is growing and getting stronger and reaching more people because of what we are going through now. It is amazing that what is written in Scripture nearly 2,000 years ago is still relevant and applicable today. We can see the parallel between the Church of Acts and the Church today. What can we, the Church of today, learn from the Church of Acts? There are three things I want us to observe and learn from this chapter of Acts. Firstly, who is able to preach the Word? Secondly, the gifts of the Spirit are given freely. And thirdly, who is the Kingdom of God for? So, the first point who is able to preach the Word? As you heard in the announcements today, there is a meeting for the preaching team next week Wednesday. Who's on this preaching team? Now, I'm not going to name them all, but if you go back through the Sunday messages, you will see that the preaching team is made up of people who are on the church leadership team and others who are not in any form of leadership in the church. Also, you will notice not all the leadership team are on the preaching team. Now, why is that, you may ask? Let's see what we can glean from the portion of Scripture we are looking at today. Acts 8, verses 47 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. Verse 4 tells us that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Who were the ones who were scattered? All the believers in Jerusalem, apart from the apostles. Now verse 5 picks out one of those who had been scattered. Someone we had first met in Acts 6 when the apostles chose seven men to wait on tables serving the Grecian widows. Now Mark Stoneham spoke about this on the 21st of June. You can check out the church YouTube channel for the video of his message. Just to go back a bit and revisit Acts 6. Two quick questions. What was the reason given to the apostles not wanting to wait on tables? And secondly, what were the attributes of the seven men that were chosen to serve the widows? If we look at Acts chapter 6 verses 2 to 4, we find there, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. The Apostles' responsibility was prayer and the ministry of the the Word. Essentially, time in prayer, preaching and teaching the people. The disciples gathered in Jerusalem. The seven needed to be full of the spirit and wisdom. They needed to have the presence of God in them and be led by his spirit. They were not chosen for their preaching ability, nor were they required to preach the word. Yet when they were scattered from Jerusalem, what was the thing they did? And not just the seven, but as we have already read, those who were scattered preached the word. The church was no longer in one place, namely Jerusalem, but they were now scattered around Israel, and I believe even beyond the borders of Israel, into the other parts of the Roman Empire. Being scattered did not cause them to become afraid and go into hiding, but the opposite seemed to have happened, because wherever they were, they preached the word of God, even though persecution was happening. These were the ordinary, everyday members, if I can call them that, of the church that had been established in Jerusalem. They were bold enough and able to preach the word wherever they were. And not just preach the word, as we see in the example of Philip, they performed miraculous signs, healed the sick, and cast out demons. How was this possible? For ordinary, everyday members of the church to preach with such conviction and demonstrate such supernatural power. The answer is found earlier in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 46, which says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They spent time together as the church in Jerusalem, with the apostles who had taught them, and I'm sure it would have been in the same way that Jesus had taught the apostles, by demonstration and then speaking about what he had done or what had just happened. These were disciples of Jesus, not just members of the church, they knew and understood the power and authority they had as children of the living God and disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. These disciples had not just heard messages, but had experienced the presence and power of God as they had gathered together in Jerusalem with the apostles and seen the apostles do the things that they had seen Jesus do. The original group of disciples, the 12 apostles and the others that made up the 120 in the upper room, had made true disciples of those who had been added to the church since Pentecost, and not just made them members who watched while the few did what needed to be done. They were fulfilling the great commission that Jesus had given to them to make disciples, as is found in that famous passage of Matthew 28 As we have been scattered from our regular Sunday meeting place because of COVID-19, we too have the opportunity to be like these disciples of Acts 8 and preach the word and demonstrate the presence and power of God wherever we find ourselves, be it shopping on our high streets, with our neighbours, travelling to and from work, or whatever it is you find yourself doing. Do we look for opportunities, or do we feel ill-equipped? unprepared or not empowered to do this and that is why we hold back god's word showed shows us that as disciples of jesus christ we should all be able to preach the word just like we've seen the disciples do in these verses does this challenge you scare you or inspire you i trust it is the latter That seems to be a lot from these few verses, but don't panic. The next two points will not be as long. So, the second point. The gifts of the Spirit are given freely. In the next portion of chapter 8, we have the account of Simon the Sorcerer, or Simon the Magician, as the Bible paragraph headings name him. Theologians and historians name him as Simon Magus. He was a powerful and influential man in Samaria. He had a following of people, but that soon changed when Philip arrived in Samaria. Acts 8 verses 12 to 13 tell us, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. What Simon saw Philip do was obviously far greater than what he was able to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been astonished by what he saw. Much like the magicians in Pharaoh's court could mimic the first three signs that Moses did, but thereafter they could not match the power of God. Because of what Philip and I'm sure the other disciples had been doing in Samaria. The apostles in Jerusalem got to hear about it and sent Peter and John to Samaria. Verses 15 to 19 of Acts 8 say this, When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now Peter rebukes Simon and tells him his heart is not right before God, and to repent of his wickedness and pray to the Lord. Simon then asked Peter to pray to the Lord for him. He obviously did repent. What do we take out of this portion of Scripture? There are two things. Firstly, we can be born again and have the Holy Spirit in us, but not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, but we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just as we need to be baptized in water, which is what is implied when it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Laying on of hands is just one of the ways we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or we can impart the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are other ways. We will see another way in Acts 10 when Peter visits Cornelius. An important point to know is that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit more than once, actually as many times as you desire. Unlike water baptism, which you only need to do once. I'm not going to say anything more about these different baptisms, as that is a teaching for another time. Secondly, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us freely. We cannot earn them. We cannot buy them. We just need to ask and receive them, then begin to use them. It's pointless asking God for the gifts and then not use them. The Holy Spirit lives in us and his gifts are given to us to be used to bless others. Again, this is a teaching for another time. The third and final point is who is the kingdom of God for? This last portion of the chapter is the wonderful account of where an angel of the Lord tells Philip to head south from Samaria to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And in obedience he goes and encounters what scripture calls or who scripture calls the Ethiopian eunuch on his way back home from Jerusalem where he had gone to worship. This man was from the region of modern-day Sudan, not the country of Ethiopia that we know today. Acts 8 verse 28 to 31 says this, The eunuch, on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now it was common practice at that time to read aloud. And as an important official, he was being driven in his chariot, affording him the time to read. He was reading from Isaiah 53 verses 7 and 8 about the land that is led to the slaughter. The eunuch wants to know who the prophet was speaking about. Acts 8.35 tells us, Then Philip began with the very message of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Philip leads this man to salvation in Jesus. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship God But as a eunuch, according to Deuteronomy 23.1, he would have only been allowed into the outermost court, the court of the Gentiles. Three walls stood between him and the most holy place of the temple, the presence of God. As a eunuch, he had to remain in the outer court. But here, in a chariot, he is received and accepted into the kingdom of God by believing in Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verses 36 and 38 say, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized?" And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Just on a side note, verse 37 is a disputed verse, so it's only found in some scripture, in some translations, and in the later manuscripts. Now, Philip must have been thorough in his explanation to take this man from Isaiah through to where he recognized who Jesus is and what he had done for him and for us. He recognized his need to repent of his sin and to be baptized in water. Scripture doesn't tell us how long their journey together was, but Philip was with him all the way to the point where he knew this man's salvation was secure. Now, are you able to share the good news of Jesus Christ to someone who is seeking God? Ask and trust the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you as you do this. Also, who have you had the privilege to journey with like this? Walking alongside them as they were seeking God, to all the way to them receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, being baptised and then discipled, or you might still be on that journey with them now. If that's the case, keep going. Don't give up, no matter how long the journey is. It is worth it, especially for them. This man receives Jesus as Lord and Saviour, is baptised and then carries on his journey rejoicing. Now he's believed to be the first African convert. It's believed he took the good news of Jesus Christ back to his home nation and the church in Africa was birthed. Philip, in the meantime, is miraculously transported to Azotus by the Spirit of the Lord, where he continues to travel along the coastal road, preaching the gospel until he reaches Caesarea, where he settles. We will see him again briefly in Acts chapter 1. So, what do we learn from this final portion of Scripture? Firstly, we need to listen for and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit with obedience, even when it seems to just To disrupt the successful things we are doing. Philip left Samaria where he was enjoying success to go to one man on a lonely road. He was obedient and that one influential man, theologians believe, took the gospel to his nation and the continent of Africa. Now missional minded leaders will tell you to find the person of peace in the area you are trying to reach. If you have success with them, you will see breakthrough in that area be it a street, neighborhood, estate, or even a nation. Secondly, the gospel is for everyone. No one is excluded from the kingdom of God. No one is too damaged for God to reach them with his love and forgiveness and accept them into his kingdom. That is the good news that we all have to share with those who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, in summing up, Firstly, all disciples of Jesus Christ are able to preach the word of God. Don't discount yourself, because God doesn't discount you. Secondly, we all need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive his gifts freely so we can share them with others. And then thirdly, the kingdom of God is for everyone. No one is beyond the forgiveness that Jesus obtained for us through his death on the cross. For the breakout groups, I want each of you to declare the following. I have been commissioned to co-mission with Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God come in my sphere of influence. Then share with each other how you see that playing out in your life and then spend some time praying for one another.